Welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development, a podcast about getting your shit together and creating a life you love. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring badasses about the nitty-gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. My guests and I might embrace a bit of woo-woo every now and again, but we also get really honest about what it takes to grapple with your demons, transform your life, truly accept yourself, and strike out in the direction of your dreams. Because personal development only works if you do. That's what's so punk rock about it. Hello, and welcome to Punk Rock Personal Development Episode 12. You can access all of the show notes for this episode at Sarah Stars, that's S-T-A-R-R-S, sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 12. Right now, I'm completely obsessed with cashew cheese, which is a delicious vegan cheesy dip, and I eat it on absolutely everything. There are only five ingredients, and it couldn't be any easier to make. I'll be sure to include the recipe in the show notes because it will definitely make your life better and tastier. Today, I'm chatting with Betsy Blankenbaker, author of Autobiography of an Orgasm. We talk about what led her to spend five years researching orgasm, a decision that resulted in her spending time in bed with orgasm experts, strolling down New York's Fifth Avenue with a healing jade egg in her vagina, having a spiritual awakening through orgasm in Africa, and receiving sacred womb rites from a shaman in the Peruvian Amazon. But you don't have to do any of these things to benefit from Betsy's work and reconnect with your own body and your orgasm. As a woman, so many of us carry self-hatred and shame in our bodies. Betsy talks about some very simple practices we can use every day to reconnect with ourselves, heal our past traumas, and begin experiencing real deep pleasure. I think this is an incredibly powerful conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Hi, Betsy. How are you today? Good. How are you, Sarah? I'm really good, thank you. And thank you for coming on the show. Mm, pleased to be here with you. So for people who don't know you, can you start by sharing a little bit about your story and also who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Betsy Blankenbaker, and I, um, I'm i 52 now. When I was 45, I started quietly researching orgasm Um I was, uh, I mean, I thought I was the only one in the world that had never um, experienced, um, you know, fully feeling and receiving orgasm. As it turns out, um, uh, there are a lot more people like me out there. And um, I ended up spending five years researching orgasm, I mean, really to recover from um, kind of a lifetime of sexual assault on my body that started uh, with a neighbor molesting me when I was six and continued um, through uh, a rape when I was 40. And through all of this, and I had four children, I was married twice, um, I never spoke up about what was going on. I was um, like very ashamed and very secretive of all this. So when I started the research I with sex ex- experts, I you know, really was just doing it for myself to quietly seeing, seeing if I could feel anything. And... Um, and after, you know, a couple of years of doing this, so many, you know, many friends started asking me about what I was doing. And I started telling them more of the truth because at first I was kind of joking about it. Oh, I'm doing this. And 
you know, because I hadn't shared with anybody the full truth. And um, as it turned out, I ended up, you know, turning it into a book. And it's kind of funny because here was somebody that I was so secretive about all this and so ashamed. And I ended up, you know, writing everything. The opening line of the book is um, I had my first, first orgasm when I was 36 years old. So that means I spent about half my life faking it. And I can't imagine like I would have ever been so truthful, but oh, my whole body just relaxed once I, um, you know, just showed up as myself. And so what was it that sparked the, like, what, what made you decide to start this research and to kind of start changing your relationship with orgasm? Yeah, well, one thing was that I have four children and my daughter was becoming a teenager at the time and um and she was sharing with me um some things that were coming up in her life and I loved that she was so open with sharing with me because I didn't have that with my mother and nothing against my mother I'm sure she didn't have it with her mother either and I thought if I really want to change my relationship um with my body and be really truthful with my daughter um, and give her good advice, then I needed to be authentic. And so it really started out of wanting to show up um, for my daughter, which is, you know, of course, interesting as women, um, you know, I should have been doing it just for myself, but um, at least wanting to be a role model for my daughter got me started on it. And, um, you know, since the book's release, I've had woman after woman after woman that I don't know from all over the world write me letters thanking me for telling the story. Some of them, some of the women I know very well and here, you know, we had been um, in a relationship, you know, as friends um, for many, many years and yet hadn't spoke, you know, some of this deepest truth. And it's been really beautiful to see how, um, and meant a lot to me to see how women have seen um, how I was able to heal myself through the one thing I was avoiding, which was orgasm, and that they could do it too. So pulling it back to basics, I think I was pretty confused about what an orgasm actually is until I read your book. So can you tell us what an orgasm is? Yeah, thank you. And I I think there's this huge myth out there. We always think of orgasm as being, uh, you know, that moment in Harry when Harry met Sally where she's like yes yes (laughs) yes and um and I you know with every single orgasm um expert I worked with they said um your orgasm starts with the first touch so if your body's feeling anything um feeling uh you know a good sensation just with that first touch you're already in an orgasmic state so um and then the climax is actually that, you know, yes moment. Um, but we are so attached to, you know, did you come? Did you come? Did you orgasm? Did you come? Um, and it, did you do it the way it looks like in porn? And um, we have this really sexualized culture. And wow, like as women, um, you know, you're trying to do what you see, you know, maybe you, you think if you're not doing it like what you see on TV, you're not doing it right or in porn or whatever. So I just wanted to have a new conversation around sex and um, and our honoring our bodies as sacred. But, you know, that really switched everything for me. Like, you know, when I, I realized, oh, 
Um, it really never was a problem for me having an orgasm, a climax. And this is another issue that comes up with the, when I'm talking about the book, because, you know, men and, and other women will come up and say, oh, well, it's just too bad that you, it's hard for you to, it was hard for you to climax. And I go, it wasn't hard for me to climax. And I suspect like a lot of women, we are, um, suppressing or not allowing ourselves to feel any of our orgasm or climax because um, at least one in five of us, uh, maybe more, has experienced some sort of sexual assault, sexual abuse against our body. And unless you've healed that and acknowledged it, um, you know, that's such a, a, um, a tender part of our body and soul connection. You know, for me, I didn't want to feel my orgasm because I didn't want to have to feel anything else that had happened. So I had literally disconnected myself, you know, at the age of six from feeling anything. And even as a mother, you know, um, in, and wife, I was still not um, feeling anything because it meant having to, um, to deal with those um, issues of the past. And I just was trying to avoid it. As it turned out, you know, I went to therapy for years. And um, as it turned out, like the one thing that healed my body was orgasm. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is it that makes orgasm so healing and powerful? Well, first of all, it's, um, it floods your body with um, chemicals that put you in ultimate state of health. And if you're in a, a partnership with uh, a man, and and um, and I say a man because there are things that it, I'm pro any partnership, men with men, uh, uh, women with women, but um, our bodies, the exchange of liquids with our bodies with a man and woman as we climax actually puts your body in an equal state of you know ultimate health. Um, so anyway. Um, during orgasm and climax, our body is just flooding um, with feel-good chemicals and that's lighting areas um, all the way up your spine to your brain. And, um, you know, once I started uh, a daily practice of, you know, other people call it um, masturbation or self-pleasure, I call it self-cultivation because that's what you're literally doing. It's like cultivating and nourishing um, and flooding yourself with chemicals. And once I started that daily practice, uh, you know, my mood improved, my skin improved. Um, it just life all of a sudden started to feel better again. And, um, you know, so it, I mean, ultimately orgasm is good for your health. <laughs> and so you're also, we're talking about the kind of emotional healing that your research mm. took you through and reading your second book, uh, it sounds like you heard from a lot of women who had experienced sexual abuse and sexual trauma and how this had been a healing process that, you know, your your story had started sparking them. But it sounds like you also heard from a lot of other women who were disconnected from their orgasm, even if they hadn't suffered abuse. And it sounds like, I mean, from my experience and, you know, my female friendships and also reading from your book, it sounds like so many women um, that we're disconnected from our orgasm. So where else do you think that can kind of come from? Well, I think, you know, just from our culture and um, the information we're given, you know, what, at whatever age of life. Um, and if you're raising children, are you having the conversation with your sons and daughters about their bodies? It should come from, you know, it should come from the parents, not from, um, you know, today with porn, 
so accessible. I really am concerned about this generation um, and, you know, where they're getting that as an introduction to sex in our bodies and and what they see of, you know, with reality TV. So, and especially like when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, you know, that was in the midst of my research. And I thought, you know, it was cool that um, 100 million people bought the book and um, were talking about sexual fantasies and that people were talking about sex, but I felt like it was the wrong conversation. And we um, women really need to start speaking up um, and speaking our truth and asking for what we want, you know, in bed. Um, but the best way is to start with ourselves. And I give workshops where, you know, I'm asking people, it's clothing on, but I'm asking people to, um, leading them through rituals of honoring their body as sacred. And then they can take that home and, and, you know, take it a little more intimate. But, you know, they're looking for answers with um, teachers or, you know, by reading when we are our own best researcher. Like um, the way my body works is we all have a clitoris, but there are the way it's set up and every woman's body is different. So some of us may experience a better um, orgasm and climax with a lot of a lot of clitoral stimulation. Um, others may be in the inside on the, you know, upper right or upper left and so I'm really asking um, women to take ownership of their bodies and become the sensual, sexual, spiritual authority on their, not just their orgasm, but, you know, on their, on their vagina. Like, explore, understand your body so you can tell somebody else what you, what you love. I love that. I think anything that's about kind of finding your own unique path and way and DIYing it like that is totally punk rock. So that's what this podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. uh, so you talked about that daily ritual of self-cultivation and also the rituals and um, practices that you teach in your workshop. And I'd love to hear a bit more about a typical day in your life. So what mm. other rituals or routines do you have and what do they mean to you? Um, well, I, I love baths. So if I'm staying in a place with a bath, I start with a daily bath bath just as a way to um just kind of like as a, a baptism of really honoring my body um and usually part of the bath may be self-cultivation if I haven't already done that when I first wake up um one of the things I do when I first wake up is I give myself a self-massage and I you know just slowly rub every part of my body um, like I was rubbing a beloved and and doing it in a way of like really exploring you know what feels good what feels good when I stroke my fingers across my throat or you know my forearm it's not just a massage like a massage therapist would uh, give you I'm going you know I'm finding the place that feels good any sensations that feel good and also sending love to my body we're, um, our bodies are over 70% water and whatever intention you are giving to your body, you know, you're creating your body down the road. So I, um, am a big believer in these daily self massages. I do it in the morning and the evening, um, massaging love and gratitude into my body. And, um, I also love nature. So wherever I am, I usually take about a two hour walk. And um, and then I 
I'm a writer, so I then spend the rest of the morning writing, and um, I'm working on a follow-up to my book, Autobiography of an Orgasm, and then also a second edition of Autobiography of Our Orgasms, which is a collection of reader stories. And then after that, if um, wherever I am, uh, sometimes I'm teaching a Koya class, um, and either a regular Koya class, and Koya is a... Um, it's a movement class for women. Oprah.com calls it a form of sweaty spiritual enlightenment, and it's Koya, Q-O-Y-A. It was um, created by Rochelle Sheik, who, um, who ended up just having this download while she was traveling about women, um, kept asking her, like, how do I get in my body? How do I get in my body? And she, uh, she had a history of, of a dance and yoga teacher, and so she created this whole movement to um, help women get into their bodies and um, so that they can really, you know, be turned on and listen for their truth. And it helped me so much in my um, orgasm research as much as working with an orgasm extra, expert who was stroking my clit. Um, doing every Koya class, it's like I shake off more of my conditioning around my body and um, allow myself to really sink into what feels good in my daily movement. And it also helps me be clearer on making good decisions about life or um, anyway, it's just, it's a beautiful practice and it's um, kind of a, an expansion into a higher consciousness of um, living for women. So I teach that anywhere I'm traveling in the world. And, um, and the other thing I do daily is just like really honoring my body as a temple. I was just in Bali for a couple weeks and, um, the locals do offerings three times a day to their gods, their temples. And I really encourage women. Um, we live in a culture that, uh, doesn't tell women to value themselves and honor themselves. And, it's been such a huge shift for me when I started really um, deeply appreciating and falling in love with my body and honoring myself, like uh, um, just as I am right now. And it's interesting because uh, I'm in this, I'm going through menopause right now. And, um, and like, it's just been so beautiful to really love my body and appreciate my body. And uh, during this uh, time when some other friends are, um, you know, not appreciating their body and wanting their um, uterus yanked out and their life to be, go back to normal. Like it's, I'm just so curious about about my body and um, and just really listening to it and appreciating it. I love that, and I know that the self massages are one thing that you really recommend in your book. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more, like how long do you do it for? Are there certain types of touch that you're using and what does it kind of sound like in your mind to be imprinting love on your body mm, thanks for asking I um I I you can put on your favorite song in the morning and um you know so many people grab their phone and and I'm guilty of that too but I um you put on your favorite song and just for three minutes or however long the song is you know start with your right hand um caressing your left hand and really with the intention of, of finding the place that feels good with the movement and taking it really slow so you can, you know, not just rush through it, like really slow down. Um, 
I, in a Koya class, you know, I teach, I had a woman recently say to me, um, she kind of cried when I said, like, look for the place that feels good. And she said, you know what, I wake every, up every day and, and scan my body for what doesn't feel good. And I think many people do that. And she goes, it never occurred to me to try to explore, you know, and see what feels good. And um, so that's what the self-massage does. So we, you know, you do your right arm first, then you switch and do your left arm. Um, drip your fingers down your face and just see, you know, what sensations in your face. And if you, if it feels good to stroke your, um, your fingers across your lips, do it again. So just, you know, really with the intention of finding any place in the body that feels good, but also not avoiding those areas that you, you know, don't appreciate, like deeply appreciate area, every area of your body. And then another, um, thing that I do is I, just like you would a temple, I um, trace uh, with a finger just around my um, vulva uh, 10 circles. And with each circle, I say a gratitude. Sometimes it's, you know, about my body. Sometimes it's about anything going on in my life. But just slowly, like, honoring, um, you know, my divine feminine and honoring myself as a temple. So that's – it's just um, – you know, because so many of us prior to this, like, I would never even pay attention to my pussy unless, you know, a guy was, you know, having sex with me. And now daily, I do this ritual. And it just, you know, life feels different, because I'm being really reverent with myself. And what's interesting is now when I am with a man, how, like, I don't even have to say anything. But men are so much more reverent to me. And I, I do feel like this practice is, is very, very important. Absolutely. It's kind of like the way your vibe attracts your tribe and the kind of the way you treat yourself ends up being how other people treat you. So if we want that respect from men or from our friends, our romantic partners, whatever sex they might be, we need to start by showing it to ourselves. Mm, Yeah. So for someone who is looking to connect with and explore her orgasm, what are the other practices you would suggest she starts with? Um, the other thing is just deep breathing. Um, you know, first just, you know, lying on your back, just breathe regular and then deepen your breath. So you're breathing all the way into your womb and just imagining sending fresh oxygen into your womb. And, um, and then just deepen that even more all the way down into your pussy, your yoni, whatever you want to call it. And, um, um, you know, just intentional deep breathing all the way down into our pelvis area. And it literally, you're, it's so interesting because you're literally like sending fresh oxygen and we don't normally do that. And it really, you know, clears the space, lights up the area. And then from there, the other thing I'll start doing and just do it for a couple of minutes. You're already in this deep breathing. You just start humming with the exhale. Um, sound is so important for us. And so just as you're breathing, start humming, and just pay attention to any sensations in your body. What I've found, um, you know, I use myself as, you know, like a research, and what I found was there was an absolute, you know, um, correlation between my, vo- between my voice and my vagina. And um, once I started, um, like, desiring... Um, better treatment of my vagina, uh, I was also desiring to speak my truth more. So this humming just gets that um, the sound moving and opens up these pathways. 
Um, and then once again, we won't be as perhaps um, nervous to speak up or ask for what we desire when we are with a partner in bed. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is when we're going about our daily lives and it's perhaps not appropriate to be touching ourselves physically, what are the other ways that we could kind of bring this connection to our orgasm and our truth into our lifestyles and the choices that we're making? Well, you know, for I can only say what happens for me, and I, I have so many people that will read the book and write and say, oh, I see much so, so much of myself in your story. What do I do next? And what I say is it's not going to be the same thing for every person. But for me, like the clearer and cleaner you can get with your daily life with bringing good foods, you know, blessing your food before you put it in your mouth, um, you know, just being clear, clearer and cleaner in all ways, get out in nature. It just all of a sudden your body gets clearer on everything and then um, intuitively you start getting clearer on everything. So I'm so surprised like how much better my decision making is now with all of this research. And, um, and my point being what it leads me to is to t- it took, you know, my first Koya class, which then I turned into a, um, a vital part of my healing. So what, you know, what I want people to do is like follow their curiosity, listen to themselves. It might be writing. It might be playing music. Um, your research around, um, around your vagina doesn't have to be, you know, being in bed with a sex expert. It might be, like I said, writing is important and anything using your voice. You might go to a poetry reading. You might, you know, uh, get up and read something. So just, it's, it's just doing really listening to yourself and stop judging yourself. Like let go of, this is your path, your life, your body. And, you know, you can listen to other people, what they will tell you, but I don't know your body. I don't know your life. I don't know your soul. So um, I just want people to listen to themselves and really become their own teachers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, it, it seems like when we are struggling with, you know, shame around our bodies and maybe a disconnection from our orgasm, that that can lead to big problems in our willingness to be intimate or it can lead to an unwillingness to be intimate with a partner. And so I'm wondering if you have any advice for someone who is with a partner and is looking to heal or deepen that relationship with her orgasm, if there's a way she can do it in partnership. Yeah, I think people will be so surprised if they speak up and just allow themselves to be a little bit vulnerable and you know, they don't have to maybe say the whole story out front if it's, you know, especially if it's a uh, someone they've been in relationship for a while with for a while. I had to, you know, some of the men that I wrote about in the book, I asked for their permission to share the stories. And you know, that meant going back to them and saying, listen, I haven't been, you know, I loved you, but I haven't been honest with you. And this is, you know, where I was at when I was with you. And what was really sweet was, you know, when I was honest with them and vulnerable with them, and it allowed them to. So I guarantee probably in every single situation, it's going to bring up a deeper intimacy with the other person. And they might even share something too. So I, um, we just can't afford as women to not speak our truth anymore. And, um, I, I mean, look at the world today. So if you, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for a woman that doesn't have as much of a choice, but we really, 
I, I love the quote from Maya Angelou, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. I know that you're not alone. And if we want to heal ourselves, we're also going to heal our sisters. So that, you know, always helps me that it's not just about us. And, um, you know, we need to uh, speak up for our daughters, our sisters, our mothers, our grandmothers who maybe never did speak their truth uh, and maybe never did ever experience that beautiful sensation of ecstasy flooding their bodies. We just can't afford to... Yep. Everybody just needs to be a little bit braver right now. That's such a, yeah, that's such a good way to bring a little bit of extra bravery because as you said before, we we should be able to do it for ourselves, but sometimes we need we need to see the bigger picture or feel like we're helping someone else to work up that bravery. Yeah. So what was the most important or powerful, and it doesn't have to be just one thing, but when it came to your research, what was the most powerful and important kind of information that you came across? Mm, that's a good question. Um, you know what? Over and over again, um, it was not just feeling the truth in my body, but speaking it. And that's why I love teaching Koya so much because, um, you know, in every class, whether I'm teaching or taking it, um, you're just checking in with your body constantly. Does this feel authentic? Does this feel good? Does this feel good? And if not, then change it. And it carries over into daily life. Um, does this feel good? If not, <laughs> change it. Why are you complaining about it? Why, you know, I spent years, you know, see, I, therapy is great, but uh, you can spend years complaining about the same thing, and um, but you don't change it. So for me, it just constantly makes me call me out on myself um, because I want my life to feel good. And, you know, I always think about what it was like for somebody, you know, the very first research I did was going into this session where a person that I didn't know, but he was an expert and, um, and another woman there holding space, you know, where for thir 15 minutes he only stroked my clit. And I had to say with each stroke, um, you know, what it felt like and yes, no, lighter, harder. Instead of, you know, just allowing uh, to be taken, I had to speak my truth in every moment. And, you know, so what's it like to really speak your truth in every moment? And um, so I think that was the most powerful thing that I got out of it because it carries from, you know, whether I'm going for a climax or I am um, writing something or I am deciding on whether to go on a date with somebody. Like I really am just checking in with my body, like what feels true right now. Yeah. And so in a way that's really radical because there's so much in our society that's trying to silence women's voices and to kind of maintain this patriarchal system that we live in. So I'm wondering what resistance have you received to your books <laughs> and the work that you're doing? Oh man. Um, probably more than I wished for. Um, I mean, my birth family has said very little about it. Uh, I have two sisters that have, um, they haven't acknowledged if they've read it or not. Um, uh, but, and I've had, uh, I've had meetings with agents. I decided to self-publish, um, because I wanted the information out, you know, sooner than if I'd go through a publisher and it might come out in two years from now. And I've met with agents since then because uh, it would be great to have a bigger release. And 
you know, they're just not getting the story. And I know somebody, you know, will get the right story. I, I know it's making an impact on people. And, um, but I definitely, even in uh, the first place that I asked, the, like the most spiritual spa in Miami where I asked to do the book event, they um, turned me down as they thought it was too, it might be too disturbing for women to, um, you know, think that deeply about their bodies and orgasm. Um, so it's kind of like revolutionary to talk this, you know, openly about a subject that it was easier for us to talk about, you know, being, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey being whipped and tied up. Um, but, you know, when I'm really, you know, allow speaking very vulnerable, it's made a lot of people uncomfortable. And, um, I mean, it's, you know, I wouldn't have, ever chosen to do this path but I'm feel very um honored um because of the you know women that I've witnessed since releasing the book that their lives have radically changed and their relationship to their body is radically changed I had a, a woman um that I met recently who said she took took a picture of the cover of my book and keeps it on her phone and she said whenever she thinks about being little or not speaking her truth or not asking for what she wants, she looks at the cover of my book. And um, and she said to me, I met her at a book event, and she said, you really had balls to write that. And I said, you know what I had was ovaries. <laughs> Absolutely. And so as much as there's been resistance, there's also been this outpouring of support and gratitude. And I'm wondering, what have you learned from the women who have reached out to you and shared their stories? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, first of all, um, not just my orgasm has healed me, but other women have healed me. And I think we can heal each other by being authentic. And once again, I keep saying this, but like just being a little bit more braver than before. Um, you know, years ago, uh, some of our great grandparents were, you know, burned for speaking things like this. And we've... Um, you know, internalize this energy into our bodies and still around the world. There are women um, that are, you know, being kept as slaves and raped and it's, there's just too much damage going on. And I, I, it's just the relationships to women that I've met, especially for someone who I've had been betrayed by, you know, very close friends, um, which I write about in the book. Um, so that I found healing among women is huge. And I just think like women are like our most undiscovered resource that we have in, in the world. And once more women start showing up for themselves and speaking the truth, but we've got to stop blaming the patriarchy, got to stop blaming our husbands, our ex-husbands, got to stop blaming our girlfriend that betrayed, betrayed us. Like we just have to start showing up for ourselves and speaking our truth. I love that. And it's so true. You, there's a certain amount of having to take responsibility for ourselves and our own healing and for the way that we are in the world. Mm. Okay, so there are so many things that you teach and are helping people to implement through your work. And I'm wondering, what are you working on learning or implementing these days when it comes to your own personal development? Um, I am working on, once again, still researching my body um, and all the ways that I can 
You know, when I talk about orgasm, I'm really talking about my connection to my soul. And so many women are, you know, when we say disconnected, really they're disconnected to uh, a big part of their soul spirit. Um, so I'm just constantly researching on, especially with uh, my body changing with menopause. And actually, I just learned this. This is amazing how we don't know this. But the um, when you when menopause is done, um, uh, the clitoris continues to grow the internal area of it, and it can grow, you know, up to, you know, seven times as, you know, when you were born, um, or in your mid thirties, and um, so you can actually be in the ultimate state of the best sex of your life can be from menopause on for the rest of your life. You're in your sexual peak if you choose to be. It does not go away. And um, I, so I'm really enjoying this research right now. The other thing I am um, doing is taking, uh, researching vaginal mapping. Um, I want to be able to offer to women, and, and there are some really amazing people around the world that do this already, but I don't think it's offered enough. Um, um, so that uh, women can, in a you know, sacred, sacred space, um, like I describe in the book, have uh, an internal work done um, in their vagina, and it releases. Um, it can release stuck energy. It can release damage from um, internal damage. And I really want to be able to work on a vagina in the same way that you would go get a massage, um, because we are missing out on all these, you know thousands and thousands of nerve endings that, you know, aren't being able to be lit up because energy is stuck in the tissues in our vagina. So I, I would have never imagined me doing this. But for me, it just feels like being of service in the most sacred way. So um, I'm working on that. That's incredible. I've just started reading um, Wild Feminine by mm. Tammy Lynn Kenton. It's kind of my first foray into learning about vaginal massage, and I'm finding it absolutely fascinating. Mm. so for people who are interested in your books how else can they support your work and maybe work with you or attend one of your workshops um so on my website um betsyblankenbaker.com and people can also follow me on facebook and instagram to find out where i am offering workshops um so i give updates on where i am I'm going to be, I'm leaving for Zimbabwe in November, and then I'll be in England in December, and then um, it looks like Australia and Bali in January, February, March, and then um, co-leading a Koya retreat in Costa Rica in um, April. So, you know, people can either join the retreats, join the workshops, um, the England workshop will be the week of December 10th. I'm doing a book event there, I believe, on December 10th. And um, two days later, a Koya Embodying the Sacred workshop. It's a three-hour workshop for women. Um, we do movement, and then we uh, go into um, a more in-depth conversation about my book. And I um, go through all of these rituals that I do for myself. And I just had a workshop... <laughs> Um, this embodying the sacred workshop this past weekend. And it was interesting because at the end of the workshop, the women looked, they were just glowing. And I, um, 
And I was like, I couldn't figure out what it was. Like they all looked younger. Everybody was, um, you know, came in not knowing each other, most of them. And they left, you know, with exchanging numbers. And, and it was really beautiful just to see the community that was created. But I was like, what is it about them that looks different? Mind you, we had been doing things in the workshop that would flood your body with nitrous oxide, which is the same thing that you're experiencing during orgasm. And I finally realized it. I was like, they looked like well-fucked women. They just had this look of like their cheeks were gross, glow, glowy, rosy, their eyes were sparkling, their hair was a little messy. They looked so appealing. And I was like, that's it. That's it. So um, that's, I'll be doing that. The next one is in London and, um, and then offering them in Australia and Bali and wherever I am. And people can all also um, um, email me for privates. And um, if I'm nearby, I'll, I'll organize it. Fantastic. Well, I'll link to all of those pieces in the show notes. And so just as we wrap up, the one thing that I like to ask everyone is what's one thing that you're obsessed with these days? So it could be anything, a song, a Mm. ritual, a book, absolutely anything that we could check out, um, something you're obsessed with that's making your life better. I... um... One thing I'm obsessed with is the founder of Koya, Rochelle Sheik, um, has a book coming out in December, and I just read one of the pre-releases of it. And for me, um, I feel like it's the missing chapter of the Bible. Like it's the female, what we needed to read in the Bible. And um, it's a stunning book. And what she, it's a spiritual book, but it also, um, it's her story. And I think so many women are feeling this call to um, step out beyond the ordinary life of what is expected of them. And that's what she's done, you know, from a young age. She's only in her mid-30s, early 30s. And she's led this path of like, um, it feels like a path of like Jesus. It almost feels biblical. And it's really, so I'm really obsessed with this book. And I hope um, people look for it when it comes out in December. I think it's called... Koya, Q-O-Y-A, um, and the website is lovekoya.com. Amazing. I'll be sure to link to that as well. Thank you so much, Betsy. There's just so much mm-hmm. kind of exciting and useful and just interesting information to dive into with this. Thanks. Let's have tea in London in December. Yes, I can't wait. Okay. Thank you. Betsy is starting a really important conversation and creating space for women to come together and form connections through our shared experiences. Reading her second book, Autobiographies of Our Orgasms, I constantly find myself nodding along and thinking, me too, me too. In a society where we're taught that our bodies are shameful and that our sexuality needs to be controlled, Betsy is sharing tools for healing and living a more empowered, pleasurable lives. And I just want to say a big fat fuck yeah to that. Okay, so you can find the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 12. I'm really excited to tell you that I'm hosting an event in London on the 21st of November, and I'd love to have you there. I've created the Punk Rock Urban Retreats as an antidote to the stress, disconnection, and inner turmoil that many of us experience on a daily basis. Through wild movement, deep connections, sacred stillness, and personal growth, We'll shake off what's been holding us back and make space for our desires. The tickets are £44 or you can make two payments of £22. 25% of the tickets sold out on the first day, so if you'd like to attend, book soon to avoid disappointment. 
You can get all of the details at sarahstars.com slash events. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can write anything you want in the review section, so why not let me know what you're obsessed with right now or who you'd like me to interview next? This support will really help me to make exciting things happen with this podcast, and I'd appreciate it so much. Next week, I'm going to be chatting with Sally Hope, renegade life coach and leader of the Wild Heart Revolution. Sally talks about the synchronicities that led her to her becoming a literal rock star straight out of college, her best tips for starting a meditation practice, how to work through your fears that you're not good enough when you're going after your dreams, the process she goes through when choosing her next big adventure, and trust me, she's an expert on adventure, and why her motorcycle has been her biggest spiritual teacher so far. Trust me, you don't want to miss this conversation. Until then, do something to get your shit together and create a life you love.